This is the On the Touchline podcast. We're your hosts, Jason Broadwater and Aaron Rogers. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome back to the On the Touchline podcast. In this episode, Aaron and I talk to Derek Lipton. And Derek is actually a returning guest to the show and a nutrition and health expert uh, in New Jersey and runs his own business. Uh, and Aaron is a, uh, a former uh, very chubby and husky youth. Um, I probably could have stood to, uh, you know, uh, interpret or uh, digest Derek's advice if I would have had someone like that when I was a player. Um, <laughs> probably wouldn't have had as long a gap between my playing days and coaching days. Uh, but excited to have Derek on the show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, I mean, the nutrition side of things is, is something that it takes a little bit of, of research and understanding. And then we don't often get into that as a, as a coach as much as we probably should. And, and because obviously hydration is, is massive and, and, you know, being able to fuel your body with the right calories, the right amount of calories and to, to hear what he has to say and how he approaches um, individual athletes, teams, et cetera. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I, I, I look to and hope to learn uh, a lot. Yeah, uh, likewise. And it, it's amazing to me having been to a number of youth tournaments and just, you know, soccer functions. And obviously uh, the, the game of football or soccer promotes a, a high level of physical activity. But when you go to these functions that you see such unhealthy things you know, going on or being served at concession stands or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, I, I remember a, a youth player that I coached one time that um, we were playing in a tournament and, you know, in between games, uh, he's literally, you know, housing, uh, you know, pizza and nachos and all these different things. And I'm like, how are you going to be able to go play, <laughs> let alone keep down what you just had, uh, you know, as a quote unquote snack, um, so he did, but, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a quite an interesting experience. So, so, funnel, like, so funnel cakes and, um, <laughs> what is it? Uh, deep fried Twinkies. Yeah. And, um, the popcorn, uh, what is that? Uh, the good kettle corn. Yeah. Kettle corn. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that, those aren't good fuels <laughs> <laughs> for a for a two day soccer or back to back soccer game day. Wash that down with a, a bucket of soda and yeah, you're, you're set. Do. <laughs> <laughs> Off and running. Well, uh, more on Derek in, in just a sec. Um, you can find this podcast on all major podcasting platforms. And as we mentioned in every show, it does mean a lot to Aaron and I when you leave us a, a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcast. And please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. That way, you never miss a new episode when we publish on Wednesdays. Uh, Aaron, before we get to Derek, um, if people want to connect with you on social media, how can they do that? It's at, at Ohio Soccer Coach, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find me at Soccer Coach JB on the same platforms. I hope you enjoy this very helpful conversation with Derek Lipton. Well, Derek Lipton, welcome back to the On the Touchline podcast. Um, as I was telling you before, you're the official nutrition expert. 
I love, I love that title. I, I, I don't know if that'll even get you like a free cup of coffee. <laughs> I'll buy you a cup of coffee. <laughs> oh, appreciate that. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I know you're from Jersey. At least I'll pump your gas for you, right? And I mean, <laughs> hey, I know how to pump gas. <laughs> but you're not allowed in Jersey, though. No, I mean, I lived out of state for a while, so yeah. But uh, yeah, I learned when I went to college. Um, I knew I knew I was not going to stay in the state for college, so I'm like doing college visits. I'm like, I should probably learn how to pump my gas. So, what? Well, it's a very tough, or, tough task but, to do. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> Before we get going uh, full speed here, Derek, I actually have a funny story about that. Um, so I was in New Jersey early on in my career, and no one had told me, and I guess I just wasn't observant oh. enough to know. And I attempted to get out of my car, and the um, the gas attendant basically told me, get back in my car or else. <laughs> that, that's like, happened, yeah. I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to pick a fight, man. He's like, no, he's like, it's state law. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just get back in my car. How much do you want? I don't know, 40 bucks, whatever. Fill her up, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, especially on the Turnpike and Parkway, the, they're used to that because it, it happens quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, welcome back to the show, man. And um, Thank you. As I was mentioning to Aaron, uh, you know, I think it's a, a really good time to talk about nutrition and especially as it relates to soccer or, or football, uh, depending on the group that listens to this and, and what they call it. Um, you know, I, I always want to start with the question, um, what do people need to know when it comes to soccer nutrition? And there's a, a lot of probably misinformation out there. But, um, you know, what are some helpful tips that they can take away um, and things that you recommend from your experience? Um, and obviously that's going to change and vary from age group to age group. But, um, you know, maybe taking it from, from little kids, you know, from the U6, U8 kids all the way up to maybe a collegiate athlete or a professional, semi-pro. Um, what do they need to know as it relates to soccer nutrition? So there's a lot, like, so it's kind of, yeah, it's a very broad question. Um, there's a lot to know, but the, probably the biggest thing is uh, kind of like a blanket statement is everyone is different. So don't like, if you're trying to figure out what your game day routine should be in terms of how to eat before a game, um, you know, how long to eat or what to eat. Um, and you're not sure, don't necessarily ask your teammates what they do. Cause everyone's different. We, I, um, like, with teams I've worked with, especially, you know, at the college level, some athletes, they could eat whatever they wanted a few hours before the game and they were fine. Some players could not eat anything. Um, and so you can't really, you can't really learn from that. Um, so that's one of the biggest mistakes is just, you know, trying to get information from others on what you should do. Um, so that's the first rule of thumb. And the second rule of thumb is, um, you know, around game time and stuff like that, try to eat as healthy as possible, obviously. But one of the biggest mistakes I see with athletes and particularly soccer players for some reason is eating too healthy. And you probably didn't expect a dietitian to say that. Um, but it's true. Too many athletes they try to eat just too healthy all the time. And it cuts the, it limits the amount of calories you're able to take in because it's just hard. Like they're afraid to ever go to, you know, Chick-fil-A or get a burger or eat a cliff bar. Um, and that end up, ends up hurting their performance long-term because they're not getting the calories. Um, you know, at the college level, we saw like, um, like at Georgia with the football team at the training table meals, we had wings a couple of times. Um, and yes, they're not healthy, but it gets you to eat. 
and it's it's okay to have those foods um you know throughout the week when it comes to game day yeah you want it to be on the healthier side but throughout the rest of the week don't be afraid to have a couple unhealthy meals or snacks because you need those calories can i i want to ask a question about but you're talking about eating too healthy and one of the things that i see are um athletes explain to me and they think salads are healthy how do because from what i understand and i'm by no means a dietitian or a registered dietitian nutritionist how do salads fit into a performance diet because from from what i understand it's, it's just fiber and water and you need more calories or more protein or carbs than what you could get how would you how would you um label a salad as it relates to performance right no that's a great question um so salad should never be your whole meal um every meal should have a protein a carb and a fruit or vegetable and depending on your performance goals what that day entails and all that um dictates you know how much of your plate should be like that like every 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 time your plate should be about quarter protein and then um let's say for players that are getting to preseason right now if you're having, you know, two-day practices or, or really hard or tournaments, you want about half that plate to be carbs. And then a quarter of that plate is going to be vegetables, um, maybe three-eighths of it on other days. That's where that salad fits in is it falls under the vegetable category. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see an athlete having a, you know, ordering a salad off the menu, having a big bowl of salad with chicken thrown on it. Um, sometimes also they have the unhealthy dressings and, and things like that. But they're not getting the carbs there yet the salad should never be the bulk of the meal. It's, it's a, it fits into that vegetable category. In terms of uh, nutrition myth, uh, there's probably a lot out there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a little bit about it that, you know, that a cheat meal or occasionally working in something that might not be, um, you know, like a salad or whatever, and maybe having wings or, uh, I know we talked before about maybe a Chick-fil-A sandwich after uh, after a match or something like that. Um, you know, maybe do a little more, uh, a little bit more of a deep dive into the the myth uh, that's out there when it comes to what people think they're doing and really, you know, the reality of what they should be doing. Mm. Um, yeah. So on that note, yeah. So just as a dietitian as a whole, like we don't like the term cheat meal um, because it kind of it just puts a negative connotation towards food. Um, so I just wanted to clear that for listeners, but yeah, yeah. um, food should never seem like you're cheating or never guilty about it. Um, and that's actually a really important point to bring up because all foods fit into that balanced diet. Um, but yeah, with that said, it's, it's good to get those foods in there. Cause yeah, one, you don't want to restrict food, especially, you know, the youth athletes, right? If you're, you know, under 18, under 16, if you restrict certain foods, it creates more uh, problems long-term, like down the road as into adulthood. Um, and it's just not a healthy attitude to have towards food. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, I try to get my athletes to not eat, you know, 100% healthy. And then the other reason is, yeah, because like I said, is you need calories. And yes, you need nutrients. You need your vitamins and minerals. You want healthy proteins and things like that. But at the end of the day, you also need calories. And if you are a, you know, six foot male soccer player that's 170 pounds, 16 years old, you you might need about 4,000 calories a day. I've, I've calculated that with some athletes. That is a lot of calories. And um, and I want you to eat healthy meals. I want you to eat grilled chicken. I want you to eat brown rice, things like that. But if you're afraid to eat a burger once in a while or even have some ice cream and things like that, it's so hard to hit that 4,000 calorie target. 
because you're going to end up eating a lot of fiber and things like that that fill you up. So that's why it's good to have some of those unhealthy foods. Um, now I'm not saying having, yeah, like junk food all the time and I'm definitely not promoting that, but just what I see is some athletes are afraid to eat anything remotely considered unhealthy. And that's just long-term. That's really not a good behavior to get into. And one of the things that I see um, with, with athletes is especially the ones that want to maintain a weight or, or maybe they feel like they need to shed a few pounds they don't eat enough calories and it becomes unhealthy because they think, Oh, I got to limit my calories so I can maintain this weight or lose a couple pounds. But what they don't realize is they've got to eat a lot of calories because they're expending a lot of energy. And I think, I think the right calories, I mean, how, how do you, what would you say? Cause I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I mean, I get what you're saying. I, I love your mentality of there's no cheap foods because I think right. it does. you're right. I think it, puts the I've never thought of it that way and I think that's really good I'm gonna start doing that now I, I don't think I don't it puts the negative connotation on it but how do you address it to those in a, in a lot of times it 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 is in the female athlete that they feel like they don't want to eat too many calories but they in reality they need to eat those that many calories to fuel themselves I mean how do you address those maybe misconceptions of the amount of calories or I need to eat a lot or I shouldn't eat a lot. Yeah. When I, um, so when I sit down with a client, I, you know, I take their height, weight, age. If I get their body fat percentage, I use that. And I calculate what their calorie needs are for weight maintenance. If they need to gain weight, if they need to lose weight, I calculate that out and I show them like, this is how much you need to be eating in a day. And then I look at what they're eating. And I say like, you're not getting that. Um, and at this point in my career, I can get a rough estimate of how many calories someone's eating based on their food log. Um, and I'll look and I'll be like, yeah, you're definitely, you know, I know you're, you know, maybe you're worried about gaining weight or you want to lose a little weight, but you're still, you know, you're a thousand calories under your maintenance. So let's bump it up 500 calories, create that 500 calorie uh, deficit. And now you're losing weight at a more steady pace that helps you, you know, maintain your muscle mass and doesn't decrease performance uh doing too big of a deficit really cuts into your strength so your off-season workouts are less effective so you're not putting on muscle or maintaining that muscle um and on that note especially because i know a lot of players are going into their school seasons or their competitive club seasons you never want to lose weight during a season um that should never be your goal it happens unintentionally at times, which as a sports dietitian is something we do work to prevent, but you especially never want intentional weight loss. And the reason is in order to do that, you have to cut calories. So you're limiting your, likely limiting your carb intake, your healthy fats. This puts you at a very high risk for injury, stress fractures, other bone fractures, muscle tears, things like that. It, it increases the injury risk. It also decreases your performance. Um, you, if you want to lose weight, you know, you do it in the off season. I know with youth soccer, there really is no off season. Also, young kids should not be trying to lose weight. Um, so that works into it as well. But yeah, you, the goal during the competitive season, the goal is always weight and maintenance. Um, and that's, if you do have weight goals, you focus on the, during the off season. How, how do you, and, and, and this kind of cuts into your business, but how do you, what would you recommend to somebody that is train or coaching maybe older teens to college age that doesn't have the access to a, a nutritionist or a dietitian? How do you, what would you recommend 
to somebody like that to address the nutrition needs of, of a group? I mean, what is like some cliff notes for somebody that's not a, not an expert. Um, so in terms of like what, what information could the coach give to the players you're saying? Yeah. 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 Um, the biggest thing, yeah. Kind of like what I said before is, you know, making sure, make sure they're eating. So don't skip meals. Like a lot of athletes will skip breakfast. Don't skip breakfast because you're starting the day behind. So plan ahead. You could always have, you know, a ready to drink protein drink and a banana if you really need to. You could have PB and J. Um, yeah, don't basically the most blanket advice a coach gave is yeah, don't skip meals, don't skip snacks. So you should always aim to eat about every about six times a day, six times a day, maybe seven, depending on your goals and how much how many calories you really need. But yeah, just six to seven times a meal a day and getting carbs each time. I think that's probably the most blanket advice a coach could give to the teams. In terms of, uh, I've heard a lot lately, Derek, about, you know, uh, given the, the energy expended by a soccer player and the amount of you know, distance they're covering and, and traveling during a match, about the importance of recovery and the importance mm-hmm. of, you know, food in aiding recovery. And are there, I don't know, three, maybe four or five foods that immediately come to mind that might help somebody you know, in this obviously geared to a little bit older player or 11 v 11 player um, in terms of aiding their recovery that, hey, these should always be a part of your diet um, that might help reduce inflammation or help, um, you know, sort of expedite uh, any recovery after a match or a tough training session. Um, yeah, absolutely. And to touch on that, the calorie expenditure during a game is outrageous. Uh, there's been quite a few studies on this and they found it, it ranges and based on the competitive level around like 1100 to 1300 calories in a game that a player burns. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, it is a crazy amount. Wow. So there's a lot that needs, especially considering your pregame meals about four hours out or four hours before the game, maybe having some snacks earlier and then that's it. So it's a lot to replace. So yes. A lot of players, you've probably heard about chocolate milk. Um, I don't know if you've done that with any of your teams. It's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Chocolate milk is great because it has that carb to protein ratio that you want. You want about three to one to four to one ratio of carbs to protein. And chocolate milk provides that. Um, now, like just literal chocolate milk really isn't going to be enough for like grown players. Um, so we do like the core power shakes, the Gatorade Nutrition or Gatorade Recovery Shakes. Those are really good because um, they're shelf-stable. So they don't need to be kept cold. It tastes better if they are, but like if you're at a tournament, you can bring that. Ideally, you want to drink that like right after the game. Liquids are great because, you know, body temperature is very high after a game. And when that happens, you don't have an appetite because just the part of the brain that controls body temperature controls appetite also. So you need your, you need to cool down before you can have that appetite to eat. So liquids are great for that immediate recovery. So you want to do that. And then you want to eat basically every hour for the next uh, three to four hours after that carbs and protein. So take your weight. All the recommendations are in kilograms, but I'll make it simple. So take your weight in pounds and cut that about in half. And that's how many uh, grams of carbs you want. So if you're a 150 pound player, um, you want around you know, 70, 75 grams of carbs after that game with, you know, 15, 20 grams of protein. So you can do that shake right after, and then you, maybe you go out, maybe you go to Chipotle, maybe you get a, a sub or a sandwich. 
um, something like that is good. You want to keep eating, um, especially if you have a game the next day or again later that day, you need to eat every hour for the next four hours. Um, that's just the basis. That's the calorie replacement. Then you talk it, about, re sorry. I'm sorry. Is there a specific, sorry, I didn't remember that. Is there, is there a specific time frame after you play like within an hour, within 90 minutes? Cause I always think about that after in our post game meals that, that when, when they come off the field, they drink the, the, the um, chocolate milk and then they, we try to get them food pretty fast. Is there kind of a, a window there or is it just kind of an hour and then an hour, as you said? Yeah. If you're, if you have another game that day or the next day, or at least train session the next day, that immediate window is very important. Um, yeah. Cause you want that uh, for that immediate recovery, get the glycogen replaced and replenished right away. Um, so you get that definitely within half hour, 20 minutes, ideally. Um, yeah. There's, there's also a couple of rules of thumb. Yeah. You want that immediate. And then I, you know, I mentioned every hour for the next three hours, if you can, um, if you can't, there's also another interesting study I found with folks specifically on soccer players where they played two games a week and you get, I think it was like 25 grams of uh, protein right after with carbs, then two hours after another dose of like about 30 grams of protein. And then two hours after that, 25 more grams of protein. Um, yeah, because it was 80 grams total. And they found a significantly improved recovery for that game. Again, that was three days later. Um, this is great because I actually found the study when I was working with the Duke soccer team, and it was like fit exactly the, Duke, the soccer schedule for college. So it was actually really great. So we did that. They had their shakes after. They got their Chick-fil-A or Chipotle bowl or whatever we had that night. And they ate it about an hour and a half, two hours later. And then I told them all, hey, make sure you have another protein drink, uh, snack before you go to bed in a couple of hours. And it, I mean, it works. It obviously, I mean, science doesn't lie, but yeah, getting that recovery every one to two hours, it makes a significant difference in replacing those glycogen stores, repairing those muscles so that, you know, whether you have a game the next day or you have training, you're close to a hundred percent. And that just, if you, uh, if you're a hundred percent at practice, you get better and you're better for that next game. In terms of, uh, probably talked before um, about hydration um, and just yeah. the importance of, uh, you know, players making sure that they're drinking and, and hydrating enough. Um, what should players be drinking and how often, how much, um, you know, what does that typically look like in a sort of heavier, you know, uh, cycle? Um, so, you know, they're into training on a regular basis. They're playing matches on a regular basis, um, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, hydration is imperative. Um, the best thing to do is hydrate steadily throughout the day. Always have a water bottle with you during class or at home or whatever it is. Always have a water bottle on you and always just kind of be consistently drinking throughout the day. If you're a very heavy sweater, water alone is not enough. You want to drink Gatorade or Powerade or at least, you know, add salt to your foods. Um, cause you don't want to just get clear fluids. Now that part is easy. It's the in-game or in-practice hydration that is an issue. Just about every soccer player I've ever met does not replace all the fluids that they sweat out during a session. Um, we did. We would do pre and post weights um, during preseason, and they would always be like a few pounds off. Some players are off by a lot more. And so what we did. Uh, so pre and post weights. Let me talk about that. That's um, you weigh yourself before practice before the game. Um, in dry clothes, so usually just your compression shorts. And then after practice, you take off all your sweaty clothes and weigh yourself in exactly what you weighed yourself in before. So everything's dry. 
whatever that weight of difference is. So let's say you were 155 before practice and now you're 150. That means you like you sweat a lot during that practice. You lost five pounds of sweat more um, than you drank in. So maybe you sweat 10 pounds and you only drank five pounds of water. Um, basically, you didn't replace everything. And you need to basically, every, for every pound you lost uh, the difference, you want 16 ounces of fluids right away because you need to replace that sweat right away to make sure your muscles stay hydrated and you don't um, get those tears. Now, again, this is especially, this is very, very important for two a days. So whether it's a tournament or double training sessions, because you, you need that immediate rehydration. So you're not hurt for the next practice. If it's your only session of the day, it's still good to get into this habit of immediate rehydration, but you do have a little bit more leeway because you have probably, you know, 22 hours till your next session. So we should make our players hydrate during training sessions. I mean, yes and no. I mean, obviously that's the goal, but I mean, we've all played soccer and we know that having a belly full of water or Gatorade is not easy to run on. Yeah. Um, and you want to be careful because you don't want them getting sick or maybe cramping up because, you know, stomach cramps. So yeah. it is something to be wary of. What I tend to do with my players in those situations where I notice they were losing a lot each time is I focus on better hydration beforehand. Oh, and, there, and there's ways to kind of decrease your sweat rate. You know, sweat rate goes up if you're obviously hotter. Um, if you, and kind of the ironic part is the more dehydrated you are, the quicker your body temperature goes up. So it, come, it increases. Mm -hmm. So we focus more on electrolytes. So I do those Gatorade or the right stuff packets before a game. For those really heavy sweaters, I would give them a second one. And that helps retain the fluids a little bit better. Um, so there's some tricks to go. Like, if you realize they're losing a lot during practice, um, they're not going to replace it all. Like, we've had, you know, there's been bigger differences with, like, with American football players, especially linemen, where they'll have, like, 10 to 15-pound differences at the end of practice. Because, you, I mean, th they're sweating ridiculous amounts, and you can't drink that much water. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it is that prehydration. In terms of um, coaches, and so, you know, a, a club or a, a coach, depending on the level, may or may not have access to, um, you know, a, a dietitian, um, someone with a nutrition background. And, but yet, you know, I think our, our goal as coaches is probably to provide, you know, first and foremost, it's always safety of our players, right? Making sure that, um, you know, they're in a safe environment. So, you know, being keenly aware that if the temperature, you know, uh, that day is going to be exceptionally hot, make sure, you know, that there's extra water breaks or, or things like that. What can coaches do? even with a, you know, if they would say, you know, Jason, Aaron, Derek, you know, I have no knowledge of this area. So how can I actually employ this or, um, you know, make it work for me in my local community? What would you say? Um, well, first, you know, see if you can hire a dietitian for your team. I'm always available. <laughs> uh, throwing that out there. I'm always available. Good plug. Good plug. But, uh, <laughs> thanks. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, I mean, hydration, it's simple. It's just as a coach, you know, have resources available. So if, even if it's picking up a case of water from, you know, Walmart or Costco or something before the game, um, even if it sits out, it's going to be warm. Um, and as long as it's not like scalding hot, warm water is better than, you know, no water. 
So having that available, um, you can buy electrolyte packets online or at the store too and have those available for your players. Like you don't have to be a dietitian or a trainer to say, hey, you need some Gatorlites. Um, it, it's really – you're not going to harm a soccer player by giving them electrolytes that they might not need. Um, there's no – it's not like giving them medicine, right? It's, it's a little bit different. So just – a coach can have these things ready. Um, just always have the hydration. And, and talk to the players about it too, you know. Use the tips you learn here. Um, tell your players that they need to hydrate, um, you know, as often and come into the practices hydrated as well. And m- give more water breaks. Allow for those water breaks. Um, a good thing, too, is, you know, s- certain drills, maybe that, you know, like there's certain drills where you're not moving all the time because you're waiting in a short line. Um, and I would do this when I was doing that practice. I would walk around to the end of that line and hand the players their water, water bottles. Hey, say, Hey, take a few sips while you're waiting. And those few sips add up over time. Um, so obviously as a you know club team, you're not going to have the dietitian or trainer walking around doing that, but just put the water bottles in the middle of the field or wherever the end of that line is for that drill and make it accessible. A lot of it is prompting. Athletes don't think to drink all the time, but they need to. So if you prompt them, they'll drink more. Mm. I like that. And I'm also a, a very big believer that we have to model the behavior that we want from our players. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, people watching this will obviously, you know, they, they see the Gatorade bottle. Um, I, I've, I carry around a Gatorade bottle um, even around my house, uh, you know, from time to time. And so that's become a habit um, and actually a really good habit to make sure that I'm drinking enough water. Um, you know, players know that when we have a training session, I have my stuff and I'm hydrating as well and, and whatever. Um, and those types of messages are included in, um, you know, group chats or group text messages to the teams or, or whatever that, hey, you know, to be ready, here's what you need to do for today. Or, hey, guys, we had a really heavy session today. You know, make sure you're doing X, Y and Z. Now, obviously, then it falls on the player to deliver. Um, but what can coaches do to model that behavior, um, you know, to make sure that they're eating healthy, you know, exercising, um, you know, uh, not necessarily, you know, I, and I, I love Derek that, um, it's your message is I think really about moderation, right. That, you know, that, that piece of pizza or those wings or whatever it may be, you know, Chick-fil-A is good. Um, and actually encourage from time to time, right? Because it's about having a healthy relationship with food, um, right. you know, because we can't always be, um, you know, sort of so with the blinders on um, where we're only focused on, I'm going to have a salad for every meal that I eat. I mean, man, that would be a boring life. Um, that, that's how Aaron, right. is, okay. so he, he's like a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, Basically, coach could do is one, you know, walk around the water bottle practice, you know, hydrate themselves. Um, and then try to be, yeah, good models, knowing like, you know, obviously doing your best to try to stay in shape yourself, but that's obviously more of a, an overarching long term thing. Um, but in terms of immediate, like, model, like, all right, so if you're having, you're running sprints at the end of practice, maybe do it once in a while. And I had a coach do that once and I thought it was, it was pretty cool. Um, like, hey, like, if he's going to do it, we can do it too. Um, and that, that's, just, I mean, that's really not a nutrition thing, but that's obviously just an overall thing that is pretty cool. And then, um, if you have team meals or you're going out like for tournaments, go out to a restaurant, try to order something healthy, you know, be a model for your players. If, if the, your players see you ordering like a salmon with green beans and, and rice, 
which is obviously a very healthy meal, they're going to be like, hey, like, you know, this is a good idea. Like, maybe I should try that. But if they see you eating, like, very greasy foods every, every time you go out to a tournament, um, it just kind of sets an example, like, hey, like, you know, coach doesn't take care of his nutrition. Do I really need to? Um, and because it, it, they're the role models, obviously. I mean, you're the coach. Like, players look up to you. And, um, yeah, so that's just one thing is like, modeling those behaviors the best you can. I've got a question about caffeine, okay. coffee, tea. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, pop is probably totally out. Um, but what are the – are there misconceptions about caffeine intake yep. prior to, post, during the day? Yep. What are your um, thoughts and ideas? Yes. So there's there's a lot of information out there, a lot of misinformation. And it, it's hard job because it, it's very situation dependent. So anyone that's under 18 or especially really under 16 really don't recommend caffeine. Um, but let's say we have college players listening. It, it's very personalized at first. So if you don't drink coffee at all, then definitely don't drink it before the game. But if you're someone who drinks coffee every day and you're used to it, then um, – a study shows that actually caffeine, it, it decreases ratings of perceived exertion, which means you obviously perceive things more easily. Um, so it's good. That's why. So caffeine, a cup of coffee is good to have before, you know, you go to a weightlifting session. Um, in terms of doing caffeine before a soccer game, it really depends. If it's a very hot game, then you don't because the caffeine is going to elevate your heart rate a little bit, which makes you feel a little warmer. So you don't want that, um, especially if you're not used to it. Then there's also the myth of caffeine being a diuretic. And what they found in a study showed, like, one cup of coffee is not going to have that diuretic effect. It's anything above 170 milligrams of caffeine. And a cup of coffee is anywhere from 85 to 100. So two cups of coffee, you might hit that slight diuretic effect. But it's still not, you know, significant. Um, so kind of, I know this answer is a little bit all over the place, so I'll Put it basically simple like this. If you're someone who often drinks coffee or regularly drinks it before a game or for a workout or for practice, and it's not very hot outside, you're fine. Um, one cup of coffee before, like, I, I would do, I would give it like a couple hours just to make sure you cool off and all that. But yeah, you're fine. If you don't, if you've never drinking coffee, you don't drink it often, don't do it just because between nerves and elevated heart rate, it, it might have a detrimental effect. But yeah. Anything specific about tea, hot tea, iced tea, unsweetened? Is it kind of the same thing? I don't even know the milligrams of caffeine. And I mean, some, so tea some is teas about don't like even four. have it. Yeah, yeah. so like a, um, like a cup of black tea will be about like, I think anywhere from like 20 to 30 milligrams caffeine. Some very high ones have like 40. I know like a cup of Diet Coke is about 40 milligrams caffeine. Um, so it's about a third to half of um, what a cup of coffee is. Um. So, yeah, but that's fine, really. I mean, I wouldn't drink hot tea before you go to, go to play because why increase your body temperature? Even if it's a cold game outside, no. Um, you're still going to want that. You know, you don't want to artificially raise it like that. But, um, yeah, it's – I mean, I wouldn't use it from a hydration standpoint because it would be better to do water and, you know, um, sports drinks for that hydration factor. But yeah, if you if you find that a cup of coffee an hour or so before the game helps your performance, um, one that's true. It's not just psychological; it is helping your performance. And as long as you haven't noticed negative effects from it, then yeah, you're fine. Is there anything, Derek, um, 
you know, there, I guess there's varying opinions on supplements and, mm. <laughs> uh, you know, players, um, you know, uh, using supplements. And that could be as simple as a, a multivitamin to, you know, obviously something a little more complex, um, protein powders, you know, those sort of things. Um, where, I guess, or sort of your recommendation or, you know, kind of where do you fall uh, when it comes to sort of that supplemental piece that, um, you know, players may be looking for sort of, you know, maybe something a little extra. Yeah. Every, every dietitian's uh, favorite question. <laughs> so supplements, right? The name of supplements is supplements your diet. So if you have a healthy diet, then you shouldn't need supplements. Now with that said, some people need them for certain one reason or another, um, particularly dietary restrictions and things like that. The only, there's two supplements that I, I either recommend or if someone says they take them, I'm really you know okay with it. And that's creatine and uh, fish oil because they're hard to get from the diet. Fish oil, obviously you get from fatty fish, but people don't eat fish every day. So that's where an omega-3 supplement can be in handy. And then um, creatine. Creatine is, it, it used to get a pretty bad rap. It kind of does a little bit slow, but it's actually one of the safest and most effective supplements as long as you get an NSF uh, certified brand um, or product. So you know that's quality. So creatine comes from animal fat or not animal proteins, but like, I forget the exact amount, but it might be like an eight or 16 ounce steak will give you about like one gram of creatine. Um, I think, I think it was a pound of steak will give you about a gram of creatine and you need about three to five grams. Like that's what a dose is. So you're not going to get creatine from a substantial amount of creatine from food. So that's where the supplement comes into handy. So um, those are two supplements that um, not personally I take, but just because I do, it doesn't mean an athlete needs to do it. Um, but those are good ones. Um, a vitamin C, like a 500 milligram can be, um, you know, effective. It, there's kind of mixed research on that. There's no harm. There's harm in taking high, higher doses, but like a 500 milligram supplement, no harm in it. And same thing goes for multivitamins. Most people that take multivitamins don't need them, but they're, you're not really harming yourself by taking it. So when, when an athlete tells me that they're taking a multivitamin, um, I just say like, hey, hey, you probably don't need this. You're not harming it. You're not harming yourself, but you probably don't need it. It's kind of just, it could be a waste of money. So it's up to you if you want to continue taking it. Some people, it's almost a placebo effect. They just feel better about themselves, like that they're getting the vitamins. And if that's the case, so be it, as long as it's a trusted brand. Um, so those, those are the main supplements. Then there's like the pre-workouts. There's people drinking amino acids and things like that. And those are just unnecessary. Um, yes, they, the pre-workouts work, but it's really just the caffeine that's in them, um, which, you know, going back, just drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, it's a lot cheaper to do that. And <laughs> then, um, can, and I ask, can I ask, can I ask, can I ask you were talking about the, the pre-workout drinks and stuff. Oh, I hear a lot about tart cherry juice. Yes. Do you know much about that? And I, oh, I don't yeah. know a whole lot about it, but I, I hear a lot about it mm -hmm. throughout, um, the athletic world. Yeah. So I wouldn't consider that a supplement per se, but, um, yeah, I actually meant to, uh, talk about that earlier when we were talking about, um, like recovery drinks. Tart cherry juice is, it's a wonder. It, it is great. The only problem with it is that it's expensive. Um, it, because like a little like four or eight ounce bottle, it's like about $2. So I mean, $2 doesn't seem like a lot, but that adds up. 
So um, what I do is, yeah, I'll recommend athletes to do it during like training camp or like preseason or during tournaments and stuff like that. Tar cherry juice is loaded with antioxidants so that it helps to uh, decrease inflammation. So when athletes are feeling sore and, and achy after, you know, each day um, or throughout the day. And um, it's not just like your typical soreness and tightness, but it's really just that achiness of the joints. Tar cherry juice helps with that a lot. Um, it's uh, when I was at Georgia, we worked with softball. Um, every, when a pitcher came out of the game, we immediately gave them tartar juice and a lot of baseball teams do that too, because of the shoulder, the elbow and all that. And then other players would take it as well. Um, so there's that, that inflammation factor as well. But the, also another great benefit is that it naturally raises melatonin levels in the body. So it's really good to have at night. Um, you know, it's melatonin supplements like are obviously artificial so that can kind of mess with things a little bit but this raises natural melatonin production it's not that there's melatonin in the drink um so it's great so it helps you improve your sleep and i have had a couple athletes where like i won't remember one specific high school athlete he's like 16 years old and he was telling me he had trouble sleeping at night and i'm like all right you're a high school kid who's just like doing so much during the day with you know homework and school and soccer like you should be passing out every night. Um, and it was just crazy. He had trouble sleeping. I uh, had him start drinking tart cherry juice every night. His soreness got a lot better and he was sleeping through the night, like perfectly fine, which is, um, I mean, it's just great. So yeah. Um, tart cherry juice, it is a great thing for an athlete to have into their diet. If you're, if you're able to afford to drink it every day, that's great. Um, but it, like it can add up in cost. So I would, save it really just some, um, you know, when you have preseason camp, when you have tournaments and things like that. So typically as a, as a recovery drink and, or as a pre sleep drink. Yeah. So it's a, re I would call it a pre sleep recovery drink. So you don't have to drink it right after the game. Gotcha. Um, like if you have an earlier game, but yeah, I would drink it like before you go to sleep. Gotcha. Yeah. Derek, do you think that um, athletes are more aware of, you know, caloric intake and actually what goes into nutrition um, compared to, you know, say maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, and, I, and I asked that question because I knew that my level of knowledge when it came to these things was incredibly low. Um, you know, I, I didn't understand, uh, you know, how much energy you had to burn to burn a calorie or um, you know, what you needed to consume um, in order to, you know, get the calories you need, um, you know, on a, a daily basis or a weekly basis or whatever. Do you think now just with the, you know, the, the advent of technology and sort of the, the access to information, do you think athletes are more aware or equipped um, than say maybe five, 10 years ago? Yeah, I think they are um, for the most part. There's still some athletes always that maybe still a little confused, but yeah, I mean, there's the availability availability of information is easier than you know when I was playing and things like that. So I think athletes are more equipped and a little bit more or more well versed in what to do. Um, I know, like when I was playing, I mean, I didn't know this. I didn't, I, I didn't know that you needed calories to gain weight like I just I didn't get that concept when I was in high school and that's probably why I didn't gain weight for most of high school um I didn't understand performance foods either what that you needed carbs like yeah it's I think the availability of information now is so much greater that athletes are starting to understand it more and even some of the athletes I talk to like they 
15, 16 year olds are cooking their own meals. And I just, I mean, I never did that in high school. Like, I made breakfast for myself. Um, but I never, <laughs> I struggle now. <laughs> right? yeah, that's true. Most adults don't even know how to cook yeah. now. Um, but yeah, like these kids are like cooking like legit dinners and lunches for themselves and, and they're meal prepping. So, and because they're using YouTube, they're using Instagram and they're finding recipes. So the, the internet can be dangerous because there's a lot of misinformation out there, but it's great in that regard because athletes are using it to their advantage to find good recipes and, and information to cook. So the information is out there and there are a good number of athletes that are using it correctly. So the, the question we like to ask uh, every guest, Derek, um, and people watching this can see the, uh, the Manchester United uh, that you have in the background there. Um, but this is a, this is a pivot, obviously away from, from nutrition. But how did you fall in love with Man U? And uh, kind of what is the, the origin story for you as a, as a supporter of the club? So this is not a very uh, cliche young kid answer. I was in was it elementary school or middle school, and I was playing FIFA, and I really like playing with David Beckham. Because, um, I mean, at that age, like, who doesn't love, you know, using David Beckham for free kicks and FIFA and all that? And he happened to be on Man U. So I just played with them all the time, and then I was like, I like this team. And uh, it's a pretty basic story. <laughs> and it just went from there. So, yeah. Classic American story, though. <laughs> but I mean, it's fascinating to find out how people come. To, I mean, because you obviously like Man United enough to have a, a throw blanket or, or whatever that is. It's actually, yeah, it's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to have that and to, to put it out in, in, in your place. And yeah. it all came from FIFA. I mean, I, I, you would probably, it'd probably be amazing to know how many American soccer fans there are because of playstation or xbox or whatever it was or even going back to sega genesis or whatever i had when i was in college i mean the original playstation and and playing with all those teams because heck you couldn't watch a lot of teams on tv but you could go and play in the dutch league the french league the german league and you got to know all about all those teams yeah and and now you know you get to pick one and you, you get to run with it and and i mean man united's obviously a a, a good a good club to follow because very accessible and very successful as well. Yeah, they put, tend to put a lot of their games on TV here, which is nice. Yep. Um, but it helps. But yeah, it's yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, yeah, I know like in America, when team players, uh, people have their favorite teams in Europe, and it's just it kind of it, it's always a random story. Like um, mm-hmm. you know, why are you you know Chelsea fan? Why are you this? I know in in the UK, it's basically where you live, and that's kind of how other sports are here. Um, but I was kind of fascinated because, um, I mean, I'm a huge uh, football fan, like American football and, well, and European football. But uh, when they have the London games, and I was always there's always, like, fans there. There's always Jaguars fans there and all that. And some of it's American fans that travel there, you know, for vacation. But it's, like, a lot of the people that live in London are fans of certain NFL teams. And I've always wondered, is it the same thing? They just randomly pick a team from America that they wanted to follow. So I don't know if you have anything to weigh in on that or. <laughs> no, I think it's probably the same thing as whatever they see on TV, on the BBC or Sky Sports or whatever. Picked up a game of Madden and. <laughs> yeah, or, or Madden. I mean, and who was the best, who was uh, 
the best quarterback or the best running back. I mean, if you go back to the Nintendo days in Tecmo Bowl, everybody would wow. play with Joe, uh, Bo Jackson because he would just run through everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah, G-code. <laughs> I, I think you're right, though, Derek. I mean, I think that um, a lot of it is related to, you know, what you might have access to. And, um, I mean, I still think back to, uh, you know, this is going to date me a little bit, but World Cup 94 and that um, – seeing a lot of those European or South American or, you know, global players, those aren't, those weren't guys that we would see on a regular basis here in the States. So when, you know, Carlos Valderrama shows up and he's got this crazy hair and this, you know, sort of lion's mane thing going on, I mean, you know, you kind of stop and, and pay attention or, you know, Maradona or, you know, whoever it may be, or some of the Italian players, I remember, um, the, you know, Baggio and some of the other guys. Um, you know, but we're not, we didn't have access. And so I think, and we were talking about this um, kind of in our pre-chat, the access we have now, I mean, it's unbelievable. And I'm, I, I kind of envy what my children have access to when it comes yeah. to anything. I mean, they can watch anything anywhere in the world almost oh, any yeah. time, you know? And whereas for us, I think it was probably a little bit different. And, um, you know, so it was a FIFA or a, uh, you know, if someone's into Madden or whatever they're into, you know, NBA or, or whatever, um, that you sort of pick that team for whatever reason, you know, and I mean, it's like my son telling me the other day, he's like, dad, he's like, I really like, I really like the Lakers. <laughs> and I just sort of laughed. I'm like, the Lakers. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we've watched an NBA game in a long time in this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And he goes, yeah, he's like, I really like LeBron James. And I was like, you know, I'm like, okay, so you really like LeBron James, but do you really like the Lakers? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, this wasn't the the Magic or Kareem or, uh, you know, Lakers of, uh, you know, uh, Showtime Lakers or whatever. So, so I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I just think that the way we get information is so uh, improved and better than what it used to be. And um, like I said, envious in sort of a way for, for younger generations, but also know that, you know, that, that's a slippery slope too. And you can almost have too much information and yeah. you know, sort of paralysis by analysis at that point, because it's like your head spins because you don't know what to watch, when to watch. And, you know, that kind of gets into the societal piece of it, of, you know, interacting with people and communication and all those things. So that's a podcast for another day, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But uh, Derek, if, if people want to connect with you, and follow along with the work you're doing. Uh, go ahead and plug your stuff and um, website, social media. All right. Yeah, I got a few things. All right. So we got my website, uh, fcnutritionnj.com. Um, email is Derek, that's D E R E K, at fcnutrition.com. Um, Instagram and Twitter are at fc, and a little underscore, nutrition. And I recently just started TikTok, so I know a lot of the high school and college age kids will like that. And that's at nutrition.with.derek. Um, so, you know, watch me make a fool of myself on there. But um, a, lot of, a lot of factual info and stuff there. A lot of good um, meal tips, um, just general nutrition facts, you know, supplement things, stuff like that. Um, yeah, I've been uh, trying to get back on the social media. I've been a little busy lately with um, some New Year's stuff, like uh, – you know, helping out with uh, fitness coaching stuff for like New Year's plans with adults. So um, that's kind of settling down now. So I should get back to posting some more good info on my social media. Yeah. 
I, I know uh, following you on a number of social platforms, I, I, I do think you do a really good job of sharing, especially, um, you know, different meal options. And I think yeah. a lot of the, the meals you share, and it's probably usually when I'm most hungry, I happen to <laughs> well, show up I posted that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do look really good. And uh, yeah. they're healthy, but yet they're probably fulfilling and yeah. Um, you know, something that uh, the audience would look at and go, whoa, like, yeah, that would be like, you know, a salmon or, um, you know, Brussels sprouts or whatever it might be. I mean, actually, it does look like a very, you know, high quality meal. And again, like I, like I said, I probably see these when I'm most hungry. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, well, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show, Derek. It was good to have you back. And of course. Um, yeah, for the listening audience, go back to listen to, um, last season uh, when Derek came on uh, that was the summer of 2019 and so that's a, uh, a good intro episode that you can couple with this one and um, Derek welcome back anytime and love to talk uh, all things nutrition and uh, this evolving world we're in right now of diets and fads and all these different things so yep stuff in and um yeah of course no joy being on here um just a couple things I wanted to add yeah with those yeah the food pictures like I said like yeah, they're not the prettiest food pictures you see like these Instagram influencers put out there because the idea is, yeah, I want those realistic meals. Like these colorful plates, people aren't going to do that. But yeah, I want to, my idea is promote realistic things for people. Um, so yeah, you're not going to see the, like I try to make my food pictures look good, but yeah, they're not going to be the prettiest things to see out there, but you're going to see your carb, your protein and your vegetable and how it should look on your plate. Um, and that's kind of just mirrors what my, my coaching style is, is, you know, I give you realistic tips and recommendations. Um, and just one other thing on that to, uh, kind of self promote myself a little bit, um, just be on the lookout. I know, um, probably around May or so I'm going to launch a, uh, like a meal plan, um, special for the summer. Um, it's going to be pretty much, you know, straightforward meal plans. It's, uh, it's not very, it's not totally dietitian like, cause we like to do, uh, personalized coaching, but, um, a lot of athletes with the busy schedules on, you know, creating meal plans that will, be, be able to customize to your needs, what you need to do for the summer for your training. Um, so I'm going to run a little special on that. So um, yeah, if that's something you guys are interested in. Just um, look out on social media. I'll post it when it's ready. Um, and then any questions about that leading up to it, obviously y'all can uh, send me an email or message about that. Yeah. Good stuff, man. And uh, I, I love the the message about the, the healthy relationship with food and just the, Absolutely. So, uh, at the end of the day, um, that ties in the psychological side and sort of the, the mental piece. And obviously that's a, a big thing we talk about uh, on this podcast, but yeah, Derek, welcome back anytime. And um, thank you again for, for coming back on the show. Of course. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. I love, and I thought when I was looking at your website and it was FC nutrition, I thought it was like soccer football club nutrition, was, but then it's full circle. <laughs> that's, that was, no, that was, that was the point. Oh, was it? I did, I did that on purpose, yeah. Oh, yeah, fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, so I started full circle. So it used to be full circle nutrition and fitness. Um, so the idea was that it was like all-encompassing yeah. nutrition, fitness, a full circle of it. Um, but the secondary point of it was, yeah, so um, exactly what you said. It's FC, so it appeals to soccer players because I knew yeah. that was my target audience. So. Awesome. That's <laughs> I'm, really I'm cool. glad you thought that. It's like, now I know it's working. Well, that's what I initially thought. <laughs> yeah. And then I went right. to your website. Yeah, that's and perfect. Like, that's exactly oh, what my intention was. Well, it worked then. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Love it. <laughs>
Well, our thanks to Derek Lipton for coming on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. Um, Aaron, I feel like I need to go prepare like uh, some salmon and, uh, you know, some some quinoa or some uh, Brussels sprouts or something. Uh, brown rice. <laughs> there brown you go. Rice. Brown rice. Yeah. Brown rice. I actually like brown rice. Uh, <laughs> I need to model the, the nutrition better. <laughs> I like white rice. <laughs> <laughs> well, fried rice is the best, right? Come on. Very true. Uh, what did you learn, Aaron? What were your takeaways? Well, you know, the, and I didn't even expect to get this out of the conversation, but just Derek's view or, or kind of um, the view of cheat meals or the lack of cheat meals and, and how to frame your diet um, because to take away that negative connotation to food in general. And, and I, I didn't think I would hear that from a, a registered dietitian or a nutritionist, but I guess if you really think about the concept of that, um, you, food's not an enemy if you, if you fuel yourself properly, if you use it in moderation, because we all know that there are some healthy foods and unhealthy foods, but as he talks about, to gain the calories, to fuel your body, to get enough that you're expending, to replace those that you're expending, sometimes you can have a little higher calorie food here and there as long as it's in moderation. And, and that, that's a really cool way to look at it. Um, and I think it takes obviously some discipline and, and some understanding of, of nutrition. But uh, I, I did like that perspective. I completely agree. And I think that, um, you know, with you working in the women's game and, and for me working in the men's game, that the the healthy or even some in you know, some cases, the unhealthy relationship that players have with food um, is actually pretty staggering. And, you know, again, creating those good habits, creating those sustainable habits that you know, they're not just doing this for four years of college ball, or they're not doing this for, you know, a high school career or a club career, but these are really lifelong habits that they can exhibit, you know, when they get into their thirties or forties or whatever. I also really liked what he said about for us as coaches and, um, you know, it, it can be really challenging. Uh, you know, <laughs> I read something one time, I think on, on Twitter, you know, as, as an adult that, you know, you, you have ice cream one night and you wake up and like you're 30 pounds heavier or something like that. True. And it, and it feels that way some days. Right. And yeah. I, I know you like to try and lead a healthy lifestyle. Um, I try to lead a healthy lifestyle. Um, one, I had one of my players actually say to me, um, cause I, you know, not all the time, but from time to time, I do like to jump in and participate or play when I can. Um, but also know this is about them and, you know, not about me. Uh, but he told me after one training session, he said, coach, I really appreciate when you do that because it just adds a level of credibility, you know, because you take this ser as seriously as, as we do And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess to a certain extent, that's probably true. Um, but I would like to exhibit and, you know, um, promote the behaviors that I want amongst my players. It can be really tough though. And it can be really challenging um, you know, if, and especially with lack of planning, I think that, you know, it's easy to fall into bad habits and bad habits typically mean things of convenience and things that are, you know, easy go-tos. Luckily, there are far greater options, at least in my opinion, when it comes to, if you are hungry or if you're in a pinch, 
but you still want to try and maintain a healthy lifestyle, those options seem to be better today than they were, say, 15 years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, you know, and not to say that you don't have to do some planning, because I think you do, but trying to model that behavior you want with your players, you know, I think for us as coaches can be really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I, mean, I think I think educating them and even without being a, a nutritionist or a dietitian, um, educating them on the amount of good calories that you need because you're you're expending so many and you know you don't want to be losing weight as you're playing you want to be able to maintain and because a like he said with with um, injury prevention and performance enhancement um, as it relates to a healthy diet um, and then also I gained a lot of, of good information from post-game recovery meals and the amount of carbs as it relates to proteins that you need and the amount of times that you need to eat and, and, and refuel yourself post competition to be ready for that competition in, in, in the college game, or even in a, in a youth setting where you're playing a game at 10, 10 a.m. on a Saturday, and then you've got the next game at 10 a.m. or noon on the Sunday, you know, how to recover, how to give your body the best opportunity to recover and be prepared for that next match. And so I, I really like that part of it as well. Yeah, I uh, completely agree. And I think uh, Derek was uh, definitely incredibly insightful. So we'd love to have him back on the show uh, again in the future. And um, yeah, hope you guys were able to take some, some good things away from this particular episode. Uh, you can find our podcast every Wednesday. And if you search uh, Apple Podcast, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review for the show. Uh, that does mean a lot to help people in the, the football and soccer world find out about this podcast. Uh, Aaron, before we go, if people want to connect with you on social media, how can they do that? At Ohio Soccer Coach. And you can find me at Soccer Coach JB, and both Aaron and I are active on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. I'm Jason Broadwater. And I'm Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm.